E.B. White once said, one nation's common sense is another nation's high blood pressure. Keep this in mind as we discuss the recent developments in Taiwan following the visit of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and what does it mean for the future geopolitical landscape. My name is Dr. David Waralu. And my name is Dr. Ross Stewart. And you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. A potential visit to Taiwan by the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Officials are concerned that the trip may cross red lines for China. One of extremely serious consequences. What would she want to accomplish specifically? And how does it look if she ignores exactly what the administration wants? Coming a problem for President Joe Biden's administration. We believe in the rule of law, and that's what our country is about. And no person is above the law, not even the president of the United States. But before we dive in into this, uh, Russ, we want to mention to our viewers about our new channel. It's called The Heart of the Warrior. The reason we have it, we know you are receiving a lot of information. We wanted to have another alternative source of information for you. So make sure to check out the link above for The Heart of the Warrior channel. As almost every person on the planet knows, a senior U.S. government official has just recently visited Asia. And all the news media are abuzz with it. And what we don't see is the big picture, what this really means, and where this is all headed. Exactly. Uh, just as a reminder before I jump into, we're going to provide our viewers with a uh, brief analysis and support. Some have been asking about you. Where is Ross? Well, here is Ross. Is here. So... You've heard us talk about we've been developing a course, and to have a real high-quality course means a lot of research, a lot of development goes into that. And so I've been devoting myself to the content and the structure of that course. Well, good to have you back, Ross. So, anyway, back to our topic. Yes, indeed, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, recent trip to Asia that included Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, Japan, and Taiwan. What, of course, is the Taiwan trip that was the issue. Why not here to talk about Nancy Pelosi trip? That's, that's done and all that. We are here to talk about the implication of what it means for the next 5, 10, 15 years, especially when it comes down to U.S.-China relations. What we've clearly seen is that there's a shift of money and a shift of world power out of the West. I wonder where it's headed. Yeah, indeed. And what you are referring to, Ross, is the idea of how the cycles emerge and evolve. And we are, believe it or not, we are in the process of that shift that's taking place. When we look at this historically, mm -hmm. the research could not be more clear about empires, how they grow, how they maintain, and then how they decline. And there seems to be a timetable for these things. And the American empire is right on track yeah. with the cycles of history. Yeah, indeed. And this is where, in my opinion, and this is my personal opinion, what this trip of Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan is precipitating this kind of conversions. You know how cycles go up like anything yeah. in life. We are born a kid. You grow up. You reach uh, adolescence. Uh, you reach your peak. You get old and you start to decline and you check out from this earth. That sucks, but you know, that's <laughs> what it is. It's reality. <laughs> it's reality. So it's no different with, with empires and countries and all that. 
And we are witnessing that one right now. And the pattern could not be more clear. Mm -hmm. And as I said just a few minutes ago, the United States was on track. But Nancy Pelosi has done something to speed it up. Yeah, indeed, because it changes now the dynamics between U.S. and China relations. And I am sure they're going to change one way or another. So the idea that... You remember a couple months ago we did a video and I remember mentioned there are only three countries that matter in the world. The U.S., the US China, China, and Russia. And Russia. Well, in this case of the emerging powers and the declining powers and so forth, we're only talking about two. The United States and China. And the reason why, you may ask yourself why that is. Why we are not saying it's Russia, but rather it's China. Because China is a complete power. What do I mean by that? When we say complete power, we are referring to both aspects. Economics and military. Russia does not fit that profile. If it weren't for the nuclear weapons... They would be bordering on irrelevant. Yeah. It's, it's just the way it is. You're absolutely correct, because Russia's economy can be compared to that of China. So. Well, they don't have the population, and they don't, they, they got resources, but they're not using them because they don't have enough people. Exactly. And this is why, when it comes down to China, it matters. This is why the United, in the United States, we, we are looking at China as a competitor. And sort of, there is a reason for that. Because the concern here in the West as to, okay, where is China headed? And this recent trip of the speaker, it just added fuel to the fire. And the reason being, as, as you all know, is that the U.S. maintained the one China policy. Yes. So what it means to me with this trip, maybe we are reversing that policy, which will not be good. Even though the Biden administration continues to, to vocalize, no, it's just one child. Well, they're certainly not acting like that. Yeah, well, for the United States, they always maintain that ambiguity. Yeah. Ambiguous policy. I am sure that behind closed doors, Ross, the United States told Taiwan, do not cross the red line by, <laughs> by declaring independence. I, I, I am certain they would have mentioned that to Taiwan is behind closed doors. Right, right. But the support and all that, you know, that's usually uh, under the lenses of the global uh, landscape you want to appear. And this is why there was that question as to the timing of this. Isn't it interesting timing? Yeah, I do find it very interesting, the timing. There are two tracks to that. One from the U.S. side and one from China as to why China said what it said. From the U.S., because there are upcoming midterm elections. And it looks like the Democratic Party is going to take a real smackdown on this one. And so the timing is, maybe maybe we can rescue ourselves. Well, by causing this level of upheaval in the world, it seems unlikely that that will be the, the effect. Exactly. From China aspects is... Uh, the upcoming presidential election for uh, in which Xi Jinping is going to be running for third term. So you look at both countries, they do have to sort of answer to domestic agenda. Yeah. But for us, we're going to provide that insight as to the big, big picture. And the big picture we're referring to here is how will China now proceed moving forward after this incident? Because they are angry. They were angry. They expressed that uh, openly. 
And I can see, personally, I can see why. Well, when you talk about territorial integrity, there it is. Yeah, because that idea of... Uh, to those who say, well, Taiwan is an, an independent state. No, it's not. Let's state the facts as they are. To be a sovereign nation, you have to have diplomatic representations. Yep. You have to have a representation at the... For example, if you want to be a member of the international community at the UN, yep. United Nations Assembly, uh, Taiwan has none of that. So... It is for us also in the United States that we recognize the one China policy. Two separate systems, but under one. So which means Taiwan still have the self-ruling, whatever, but it still falls under mainland China. And you know, from China, the Chinese perspective, we're, we're looking at the backdrop being the century of humiliation, where the European nations came in with big guns and divided uh, spheres of influence in China and humiliated China for a long time. You think they forgot that? No. They're very proud people and they've, they're they very proud of their 5,000 years of continuous history. And there's no short-term memory for the age of humiliation. And this and Taiwan and Hong Kong are both representative of the age of humiliation. Indeed, Ross. And this is where those, uh, the historical cycles comes in. Yeah. In understanding. Now, you have the the ascendancy of China to the global stage. You have the U.S. that its share of global power is declining. And you can you can just see when they're going to converge. And this is personally where my concern is. Yeah. Because throughout history, Ross, just for you to, to know, any emerging power end up colliding with the declining power at some point. And typically, if we look at patterns from the past, yeah. the declining power as a last-ditch attempt, goes up for war. How insane is that? Exactly. And this is where it was the idea. To, so many were asking, and I was one of those asking that question as to, okay, how will China react now? Because to me it was like the idea, was China just bluffing? Or because if they were just bluffing, then they have put themselves in a bad corner. They lost credibility in the world yeah. stage if they were just bluffing. Yeah. But from what we can tell, they weren't bluffing. They weren't, you know, and I don't think so with this Taiwan issue, China will ever bluff. Because here's the thing. You can push and provoke a country, doesn't matter who, only so much to, to the point that that country is going to push back, is going to push back very hard. And this could explain why China decided to conduct live fire exercises. Well, you know, they've been preparing for the pushback for some time. When we look at the very targeted military buildup, mm -hmm. they didn't waste their money on a lot of things. They, they spent their defense budget on things that would really make a difference. Yeah. And, of course, their cost of producing these things is much less than the United States. And their technology is uh, fabulous. Indeed. Uh, as a matter of fact, this live exercises that they are conducting, they're still conducting mm -hmm. until, I think, the 6th. Uh, it's only the second time. The last time they did this was, was a couple of decades ago, and it was also following a visit by some high-ranking uh, U.S. official. Oh, let us learn from history. History, you're right. <laughs> you know, that's the point. And as a matter of fact, this morning on my way to the studio, I, I checked one particular info that I wanted to make sure yeah. and to confirm something. And what I wanted to confirm is uh, uh, whether China launched a missile. And they did. Yeah. They launched, you know how many? 11, <laughs> 11 missiles, you know, the, 
It's not a loving matter. We understand that because the seriousness of this. Because what this will mean for the global geopolitical landscape, the economic aspects, the financial aspects, all this is going to be impacted one way or another. And this was one of the questions many have asked is, will China act militarily? Well, we're certainly seeing a lot of military activity with all the ships that are now surrounding mm-hmm. Taiwan mm-hmm. and these missiles being fired. And it looks like a real rehearsal for a war. Yeah. And I still, and again, my personal opinion, I could be wrong. You know, I'm just, you know, we're all humans. We make mistakes, whatever. But I do not see the military dimension or aspect into this. And the reason being, Ross, is because China has other means at its disposal. They certainly do. And a blockade would would do the job. Exactly. And for us in the U.S., can you just imagine how an American citizen is going to feel when he or she start going to Target, Walmart, whatever, and find the items they used to buy for 10 bucks, 20 bucks now cost 80, 120, 150? You know, you've heard my bicycle story. Oh, yes. I went to buy a new bicycle. The American version, which was a good bicycle, $475. Right beside it was a Chinese bicycle, $40. Wow. Which one do you think I bought? Try 40. I mean, the price differential is staggering. And wait till, wait till all the commodity prices are now at that level. Yeah, yeah and, and this is where I see the approach China would do. Because China strikes me as being very pragmatic. Because oh, here's very. the thing, uh, Ross. China will not want to risk destabilizing a global system that made it rich, that made it strong militarily, and lead it to ascend to the global power, the, the, the helm of the global power, shall we say. Right. So China will be thinking twice about engaging that militarily. No. From everything we can tell, the United States and China economically are locked at the hip in terms of trade going back and forth and how much each economy is dependent on the other. Yeah. So this crisis is not a good thing for anybody no. anywhere in the world. Indeed. Uh, there's only one advantage China has. Human capital. Oh. The size of the population is four times that of the United States, which means what? Per capita. So you can just see why financially China will be better off. Uh, It's because they don't carry the amount of debt. Speaking of debt, they've been uh, liquidating U.S. debt. (laughs) By the billions of dollars. Yeah. Indeed. So... Uh, And this is why I am leaning, uh, and my personal opinion, I'm leaning more towards the possibility that, not the possibility, but most likely China will pursue the economic venue, not the military one. Uh, The the live exercises and the use of missiles and all that, that's a, a warning to Taiwan. Because Taiwan understands what the red line is. And now, in that case, in, in, in my opinion, if ever, and this is a big if, if Taiwan declares independence, then China will have no other option but to go in militarily. That seems unlikely. Even the leadership in Taiwan knows that 40 to 50 percent of the population would immediately rejoin mainland China if given the option. That's a substantial part of the population, 40 to 50 percent. 
There has to be some middle people there who say, well, maybe, maybe not. And then we have a whole bunch of people who say, okay, let's yeah. be independent. Well, they're not going to win. Exactly. And this is, once again, brings us back to the dynamics of the global order, how we used to be in the past, and learning from history is where the key is. And, and why am I mentioning this, Ross? I'm mentioning this because when I looked at the trip of Pelosi to Asia, yeah. the two main ca- other two countries, Japan and South Korea. Why is that? It's because they want to, she wants to elicit the support of those countries in case there is a military confrontation with China. As a matter of fact, this morning, Japan sort of uh, expressed its displeasure with the Chinese conducting live military exercise. It brings me back throughout the, the pages of history as to how World War I evolved, how World War II evolved when the alliances were forming, shall we say. And I do see some scenarios or some compatibility to a degree. And this is why most countries, besides South Korea and Japan, most of the other countries, wants to stay neutral and they don't want these provocations at all. Yeah. Near, near their 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 borders, they, they just if they're paying any attention to how World War One happened and the ridiculous alliances, you fire a bullet against this country and all these others come against you because they're in alliance. Absurd, and we saw the tragedy that came out of that, and it was needless. Yeah, well, I am curious to see how events unfold. I'm keeping an eye open, also because I'm in the process of writing a book about China, which. It's time-consuming, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> How come I believe that? With the amount of research that... Well, you're looking at a 5,000-year history. Don't I know it? All the courses yeah. in Chinese I took and all the Mandarin. So on. I really get it. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm excited about it because it's a learning process for me. It's a learning process for me. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but what I'm looking for moving forward is to see really what will happen, like what happened in the past when an emerging power try to unseat the Syrian power. We are looking at that conversion now. And once again, I believe this recent trip of Pelosi to Taiwan, it's really precipitated. It's accelerated. It's accelerated the overlap. I just hope some cool head will prevail. And maybe, I'm thinking, would it be a possibility? Could be that uh, the White House will issue an apology? Maybe, maybe not. But apology won't do it. The reason being Russ, because the trust has been broken. Right. And this is a series of trusts that have been broken. And the United States' reputation now is in the mud. Yeah, yeah, because there was also that question, why now? Can you trust the United States? No. It's unfortunate. This is our country and we love it. We love our country. When we look at what other nations are saying, they say, we see you on the decline and we don't trust you also. And this is where, Ross, I always uh, find it very frustrating when, when some people do not like to hear the truth because they are thinking, we bash in America. That's our country. We love our country. We care for our country. That's why we talk the way we talk. You know, if we are to just say what everybody wants to hear, what's the point? It defeats the point. And I won't do it. I won't be sitting here because I do not compromise on something like that. Well, we would be guilty of the same thing that the, the government seems to be guilty of. You couldn't trust us. Yeah, yeah. We're going to call it as we see it. And boy, do we do the research to come up with solid opinions. Exactly. And this, 
will lead us to conclude with our new mantra. You know, we always end our shows with a mantra that we use to say, but now we're going to say a new one. Our new mantra is, prepare yourself for the changing global order. Till next time, guys. Bye-bye.